I think you have to stay calm when the world is on fire. Like every day you might have a small fire, you might have a massive fire, but your job as a leader is to create that calm. And so being able to one, do that for your team, but two, you still have to make clear decisions when the weight of the world may be on you. I mean, there's days, right? You feel like you're drowning, but you still have to be able to show up for your team, show up for your company. And I think too, the biggest thing is not not making decisions out of fear, but I think just knowing you're going to have really hard days, but your job for one, for your team and for your company is to set that tone of calm, but two, you know, that's going to come. So how can you compartmentalize to make decisions when there's a lot going on? Tyler Brannon is the CEO of Optimal Bio, the leading provider of bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. Optimal Bio provides services for men and women using all natural hormones to ease the side effects of aging and other medical issues. Since becoming the CEO in 2018, she has expanded the company to seven locations, doubled patient counts, and continues to work closely with future and existing patients to help them achieve healthier and more balanced lives. Tyler's business has become her passion, and it is evident in how diligently she works to improve the quality of the company for employees, patients, and everyone in between. Get ready to hear Tyler's story and her biggest business secrets. Coming up, Tyler shares her advice on hiring the right team, the benefits of creating SOPs. You'll hear about learning lessons through an acquisition process and why balancing hormones is so important, especially for women and business owners. And finally, Tyler reveals her biggest business secrets. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters. No limits. And plenty of surprises. Tyler, I am so thrilled to sit down and have a conversation with you this afternoon. When you were growing up, did you always know that you wanted to run a business one day? Absolutely not. And I feel like most people don't, but I'd be interested to kind of get a pull on that. You know, growing up, I always thought I wanted to be a doctor. So running a business, being an entrepreneur never crossed my mind. But looking back, I can kind of see the pieces of why I'm here. But it is full circle now that I do work for a medical company and I do love the science. But no, I always thought I would be a doctor. What was your background and your career journey that led you to be involved in this business? So in um, college, I was pre-med until about junior year. Then I was like, don't want to go to med school. So then I switched and then I went to law school. And the reason behind that was you can do so much with law. It teaches you to think so differently. That would help in really anything that you do. And I always knew I wanted to be on the business side of um, the legal world. And so went to law school at the University of South Carolina. And I also got my MBA while I was in school there. And then I moved to D.C. for a few years, worked up there. And then I moved back to Raleigh, North Carolina, 
And that's when I joined Optimal Bio. And it was going to be for a short period of time, just kind of helping them out, get some process in place. And here I am about five years later. Tell me what was that role you started in? And why did you think you were just going to be there for a short time? And like, what led you to then become the CEO? So I was moving back and the medical director is my dad. So he was like, hey, can you come help us while you're applying for jobs? And I was like, absolutely not. Like, good luck. But no, he asked again. So I was like, sure. Like, why not? Like, I'll come help. And so little by little, there's no process in place, no procedures, paper charts. I'm a very organized person. I love a process. And so I just created SOPs really from like step one, unlock the door to any process that we do at Optimal Bio, both on the business side and the provider side, there's an SOP. So created that, we went paperless and then was kind of just like, okay, like, here you go, I'm going to leave. And then someone recommended that I should stay and create my own company. I was like, that never has crossed my mind. But I said, all right, I'll give it a year if you're my mentor. And so that was like 2019. And then I fell in love with it. Like I said, I do love medicine. I do love science. But really, I love building a company. I love building a team. I love building a brand. And so that's how it started. But the position that I started in is patient coordinator. And that's the position that any... Um, position that you come into optimal bio, you start as a patient coordinator, except for providers, because that is the foundation and core of our company who sees our patients from the first point of contact to the last point of contact. So it's a great, a great place to start. And I think it's necessary to start there. I love that story. And I think that that's so important. And I, I always talk about all the time, you know, you need to be able to understand and know how to do every job in the business. You don't need to be the one to ultimately do every job, but know enough that you can build that structure and framework and then train other people on your team. Now you mentioned SOPs. And for those that do not know what SOPs stand for, they are standard operating procedures. And I would love actually, if you could share more about the importance of creating SOPs, why it's so important to do that from the beginning as you are growing and scaling a team? Yeah, I think there's so many reasons why they're important, right? But I think the biggest thing is structure and discipline is the foundation of success in anything, right? But especially a company, especially a growing company. And so, you know, if you are, so we've hired about 35 people in four years. So if you're hiring people, but you don't have that training process, you don't have that SOPs, then one, how are you going to train them? How are they going to feel comfortable doing their job? And the goal is always to mitigate issues from arising, right? There's always going to be issues, but the goal is to mitigate them. And that's why you have to have those SOPs so that you could train on them. People know they can go back to them and to try to mitigate those issues. And especially for us, our reason why we're here is for patients, right? So anything that we do internally affects the patient. And so by being structured, being having those SOPs, those guidelines that a patient hopefully has the best experience, right? And especially that we are scaling by the number of people we're hiring, the number of locations that we have, that doesn't matter what office location you go into, that patient's gonna have that same quality and that same experience across the board. 
Are there different business tools or solutions that you use to create your SOPs or any other things that you're doing in your business that you've found great tools for? Yeah. So creating the SOPs, honestly, was by me being a patient coordinator. And that's how I started. It was like, this is how I do this process. This is how I do this process. But I'm part of Vistage, which is like a CEO group. So that's always so helpful, just kind of seeing how other people are structured. Because what I, why I love business, so many reasons, but business is an art and it crosses over different industries, right? So how is someone else structured? What is their process? Um, So those are always great conversations. Reading who, not how, very simple, but such a good reminder that you have to delegate so then it goes back to, if you're going to delegate, you have to have those SOPs, that training tool to be able to scale. So those are like some main ones, but I'm always listening to a podcast. I'm always reading pieces of books to see how to be structured. But also I think too, sometimes you could think about it too much. So the number one thing is what's best for your company and what's best to create that structure and making it as simple, as efficient as possible, not trying to make an SOP too long because you're supposed to live in it, right? So it's just being able to make it clear as possible. When you first joined the company, were you one location when you first joined? Yeah, so we were one location in Cary, North Carolina, and we were seeing about 20 patients a month. And now we have seven locations across the Southeast, about to open our eighth in Texas. And we see over a thousand patients a month now. That is incredible. So tell me, what have been some of your secrets to such big growth of building out the company? I think number one, you have to do the work. Like there's no exception to that. And I think sometimes too, maybe with the social media world, people see, you know, screenshots, right? Like snapshots of what it looks like to be a CEO or having your own company but it's a lot of work. And that's why you have to go back to your why. You have to truly believe in what you do and you want to be there because you're going to have some really hard days, really hard seasons, but you have to be able to keep going. So putting in the work, like I said, I started as a patient coordinator. I was a patient coordinator for years while being a CEO. So I was traveling to those other locations. We were seeing patients. I was seeing patients. We with the, you know, with the doctor um, before we hired a staff in those locations, always open to learn, but then going back to what is best for your company, because you could, there's a lot, people could tell you a lot of different things to do. You could read a lot of different things to do, but knowing your company for us, knowing our patients, so knowing your customers, hiring, hiring is, I think the hardest, right? Like, I think it's the hardest you can do. So really making sure, trying to hire the best for your team, for your company. And if they're not working out, being able to part ways, which is, I think, very hard. But at the end of the day, what's best for your team? What's best for your company? Um, And then just staying focused. Like, I think you could be, oh, I want to grow so big or we need this or that. But what are your like two non-negotiables your focus, where you're going, and just showing up day to day and being in it. Um, Because I think you can get too distracted by because there are so many things. So what do you need to focus on? How did you make the decision which locations to open up next and in what order? Yeah, so in um, so Carrie's in North Carolina, like I said, it's about 15 minutes from Raleigh. And then we opened Charlotte, North Carolina, 
Wilmington. So kind of like Charlotte's another very big city in North Carolina. And then Wilmington's on the coast. Um, and then we open Southern Pines, which is about 45 minutes from Cary. We work a lot with the military and Fort Bragg is right by Southern Pines. So that's why we opened that location. Um, and then we wanted to be able to kind of be spaced across um, the state. Patients only come to see us a few times a year. So people do travel in to see our offices. So if we're spaced across, then it's the, the easier access for patients to be able to come. Um, and then the location in Charlottesville, Virginia, we actually acquired that practice. So that's why we opened in Charlottesville. And then we wanted to make our way to South Carolina. So a similar concept to North Carolina, we opened one in Charleston and one in Greenville. So across the state um, that matched our demographics of you know who we are and who our patients are. Can you share more about your local marketing strategy? I know, you know, there's so many businesses that specifically work with local communities and marketing can be a bit different when you're really targeted based on a specific area versus, you know, national marketing. Exactly. So a couple different things. So our biggest marketing is our patients. So 60% of our new patients are referrals. And so that goes back to the experience, the education of our team. And then we work a lot. Uh, we have an incredible marketing company that we work with. So a lot of digital. So SEO, we love SEO. And like you said, it's specific to each like region, city. And as you know, depending on the location, keywords are going to be very different ones that work, ones that don't. So we're always auditing what works, what doesn't. Um, we have Google display ads. And then we have you know, our Instagram ads, our Instagram content. So we have one, you know, brand, like we have one Instagram for all of our locations. So that always stays the same. But what really is different is the SEO keyword specifically. And then we always, thankfully, obviously our team lives in those cities, but we want to be local to like, we're in that. We're not just like, you know, opening an office and not caring in that community. So whether we do an event in that location, we do a podcast with someone in that location. I travel to the offices every few weeks. So I'm making sure like I'm working out, I'm talking to people in these cities to build that connection, build that relationship. But I would say every month we at least have four types of either podcasts or events touching different um, cities of our locations. Has any marketing strategy that you've tried just not worked for you in your business? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, the marketing company we're working with now and that we've been working with for four years, I believe. We worked with three others before, I believe, that did not work. They didn't understand who we were. And there's only so many conversations that you can... If you don't understand who you are as a company, then nothing else is going to work well, right? Between the keywords that they were, you know, using or the content, you know, even just like the display ads, like what do they look like, who we are. I'm very specific of our brand. And um, so very, that took a lot of time. We joke about it multiple because one of um, the people I work with on our current marketing team, we've been together through it all. So it's like, oh, remember those times. And then you know, peaks and valleys of search, right? Peaks and valleys of keywords, what's working, of just search volume in general. And you just have to be, I think going back to one, you have to know who you are. 
of course, try things, right? But don't just like, you have to stay constant. Of course, we look at monthly, but my biggest thing is, hey, let's look over the quarter and let's look over half the year and then the year to really see if your marketing is working because it all builds. It all builds on each other. People will ask like, how are you guys doing so well? I'm like, because every day we keep working on our brand with that step one patient experience to who do we present ourselves um, online, but touching from Instagram to Facebook to Google to what podcast we're on to what blog we write. It all has to have that cohesive message. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And it all takes time. You know, you're not just going to post one thing on Instagram and expect everyone to find out about you and book an appointment. People have to see things, multiple touch points and places and over and over again. And finally, take that next step to book that appointment. Up next, you'll hear Tyler's advice for building a process and a positive work environment and culture. Tyler, who is your ideal target customer? So the thing about us, our patients vary all walks of life because I'm sure we'll get into it. Everyone needs hormones, right? And most of our hormones are not where they're supposed to be. So our um, average age patient is 37 to 42. We see both male and female, about 50-50 split. And then we have patients from, you know, 18 to 80. But, you know, we have the entrepreneur, we have the CEOs, we have the moms, the athletes, the dads, the, you know, I'm talking about, we do a lot of work with the military. So if you walk into any of our waiting rooms, all walks of life and someone that looks like you. So because it goes back to what we're doing here and we all do need it. Um, If you read like our Google reviews, it really kind of is a great snapshot of how it helps each person individually. That's why it's not like we have four key clients. It's like, no, our clients are really across the board. Our biggest thing is just providing that education because people don't know, one, the importance of hormones, and then two, the options that you have within hormones, um, specifically what we do with being bioidentical. That was going to be my next question is, do most people like know that like something's wrong and they need to come to you to figure out what's going on or, you know, what's making people realize that they need to book an appointment to figure this out? Yeah. So like you said, most of it's symptoms, right? Like the top reasons why we see people every day, fatigue, brain fog, trouble sleeping, anxiety, and depression. And so they've had these symptoms. Most of them have gone to other doctors and the doctors either, either here's a prescription to take oh, you're fine. Oh, it's just because you're stressed. Oh, it's just because you're a mom. Or this is because of your age. So it's like, wait, so I'm supposed to feel like this for the rest of my life? Like that doesn't make sense. So it's very symptom driven. And then we have other people that are referred by, you know, they like, I feel fine, but so-and-so says they feel so much better. So that's what we always discuss. It's like, we make the healthy even healthier and we help the sick become healthy because what the symptoms I just, you know, touched on, we all can kind of see. But two, if your hormones are balanced, it helps preventative care. So it helps protect your brain, your bones, your heart. So really usually symptom driven and that there's more severity, right? Of who walks in here. But and then that's why our job is to educate. They come to us for symptoms. Well, how are we going to help them, right? 
What is that process when a new patient comes in for an appointment? And then I know you mentioned, you know, patients typically only come to you then a few times a year. So what does that look like? I'm so curious because I'm all into like natural wellness, functional medicine. That's my, uh, I've learned all about that over the past couple of years after having not so great experiences with like traditional Western medicine. (laughs) Yes. I was on that same journey with you. So before you even come in for your first appointment, which is a consultation with one of our providers, you have a new patient phone call. And so like I was saying, biggest piece is education. People don't know the importance of hormones. And I'm not saying anything bad about your normal doctor's experience, but we are different. So how can we show that before they even come in? Because a lot of them have been to other doctors. So why are we going to be different, right? Why are they going to spend their time with us? Why are they going to spend their money with us? So that first phone call going over the importance of hormones, the science behind bioidentical, any of their questions, and then walking them through our process. Once you come in for your consultation, like I said, you meet with the provider, going over your health history, your symptoms, your questions, the importance of hormones, whatever you may want to discuss. And then after that, you get your blood work drawn. So we dose your hormones off of your blood work, um, height, weight, and activity level. So it's very personalized to you of what you need to get. And then after that, you come back in, review your labs, um, basically have another consult again with your labs, answer any questions, and then start treatment. That all usually happens within the week. And then, yeah, so women come back every three and a half to four and a half months. Men come back every four and a half to six months, depending on how fast you metabolize it. But we have something called pre-pot labs before each time. So based on the labs and how you feel is what when we get you scheduled, um, four weeks after treatment, especially your first treatment, we have something called follow-up labs. How did you metabolize it? How did you feel? And then all times we get those labs, you have to do those follow-up appointments with your provider. How are you given the hormones? Is it like a like a pill vitamin or injection? So it's a pellet. So it looks like a grain of rice. And why we do pellet only is because one, it's bioidentical. So it means it's the exact same molecule that your body produces. So it knows how to metabolize it. So there's not going to be a negative side effect like a synthetic hormone. We dose it to your blood work. Others, you do not dose your blood work. It's kind of just, you know, you're 42. This is what you'll get. And then is your upper hip buttocks area, kind of like where that layer of fat is. We place the pellets right in there with a little incision, like, like your fingernail. And then we just put strips, so no stitch. And why? Because it goes directly into your bloodstream and your body knows how to use your hormones just like your normal hormones. So when to use them. And so that is why we only do pellets and then you stay constant. So you get to that goal range in about four weeks. And then, like I said, women stay constant three and a half to four and a half months, um, men four and a half to six months, but it's not, and it's like a gradual decline. You may be like, oh, I'm a little more tired. It's not that peaks and valleys like a shot or a cream. And also those are not bioidentical. So you're not going to have the same feeling that you're going to feel better. And then that preventative aspect as well as hormones. This is so fascinating to me because I knew nothing about any of this. So I could talk about, you know, running a business and all of these challenges all day long, but I had no idea. And I feel like I know a fair amount about, you know, medicine and, you know, functional medicine, but I didn't know anything about this. So thank you for educating me, Tyler. And that's the thing, like so many people don't, most doctors don't, right? So how are we supposed to know? That's what I say, like selfishly, I'm so thankful I work here because I would have had no idea about the importance of hormones if I wasn't working here. 
Well, that's so amazing. So I'm glad you're able to share this message on, on the podcast here so we could get this uh, message out to so many women who probably, like me, have absolutely no idea what this is. Well, Tyler, I want to you know circle back to some of the things that you were sharing before about hiring being one of the hardest parts or the biggest challenges of growing and scaling a business and can totally relate to that because people management, while it's the best, it's also the hardest. Would love for you to share, you know, any advice and learning lessons from, you know, building your team. I think you said you now have over 35 people that work for you in, in just a couple of years. Yes. Yeah, so I would say with, if you know you need to fire someone, fire them. Like the, you know, the saying, hire slowly, fire quickly so cliche, but it's so true. Anytime I've let someone go, I should have done it sooner. And I'm like, when am I going to learn this? But two, you know, people throw around like the word culture, but that's so, so key. One person can make it toxic or just not fun to be there. Or my biggest thing is, you know, there's so many studies that say B players are the worst because C players let go. B just kind of brings down other people's productivity so just kind of being, you know, cognizant of that, but also too, it's hard to hire. So it's what that balance, right? Like, and also too, what does that role need? What does that team need? So it's a lot of balancing and figuring it out. But I would say too, listen to your gut, you know, you know, I would say when you hire, you don't know, like people are always like, oh, like, are you so excited about this hire? And I'm like, I hope so, because you can't get it all in the interview, right? So I was saying just have a strong interviewing team. We do shadow interviews. So you have to come in. We are all in office. Obviously, we see patients. But during the interview process, you do come into the office. Um, I think that is very helpful to kind of see how they interact with the team. They can talk to multiple people on the team. The team could have their feedback because everyone sees something different, right? And then we have um, our training is very structured of like, Week one, week two, we have a quiz at week four to try to see, okay, are they where they should be? And if not, then let's let them go sooner rather than later because of what we've learned before. So I think adding those quizzes in is helpful. Also too, I think it's helpful to kind of compare people who have started at the same time. We all have you know different strengths and weaknesses, not saying that, but during that training process, so that you can be like, okay, I'm not holding too high of a standard. X, Y, and Z did this, so they should be able to. And of course, we tweak the training for to really help people. But I think as a surface layer, it's just helpful to be able to know who's the right fit and who's not. But my biggest, and then we have like monthly one-on-ones with your manager. We have leadership meetings. We have a leadership book as a whole team together. So my biggest thing is if you want to be different external, it starts internal. Um, so really trying to structure it that way. But at the end of the day, if they're not a fit, they're not a fit. So I think that's my biggest piece and what I remind myself all day. And two, I was taking a class earlier this summer um, and they said anytime you're like when your company's growing, 33% of your team should either be fired or leave. And I think that's a great reminder because sometimes you take it personally, like, did I not do something right? Did, whatever it may be, but it's a great reminder and a great reminder, change and fresh faces are always a good thing. 
such great advice. Do you have specific, you know, go-to interview questions that you typically always ask? So I have pulled myself out of the interview process for some of the positions, except for like business development and providers. I do the interviewing. My thing, I just want to know what is their definition of work? How do they uh, show up? How do they show initiative? Showing examples of why they want to be here. Like that's what brought you to here. Um, I think is an interesting question, especially providers, because we're not your traditional Western medicine. And then what they're looking for in a team, because we should, we talk about how like we have our one-on-ones and leaderships. Like, is that something that you're wanting? Because my thing is, yes, your day-to-day is nine to five, but I don't want that mentality. So just kind of really, once I say that, I feel like you can get a faces show everything, right? And so that's why I love seeing people in person, but really just what's your definition of work? How do you show initiative? And like, why do you want to work at Optimal Bio? But each of those positions, I have them talk to current team members as well. I love those questions and definitely a great idea to have people meet multiple people on the team to get other people's feedback and buy in and make sure it's a, a good fit for everyone. Exactly. And it's so hard. You're like, and then to say, if someone reminds you of someone else in a good or bad way, you don't want that to like skew it. So it's, it's great to, for them to have conversations. And then also for them, like, do they want to be here? Like, is it a good fit for both of us, right? Tyler, can you share a time that you made a mistake in the business and what you learned from it? Yes. So it actually has to do with hiring. I wanted to let someone go for almost a year. And I was told, no, it's fine. It's fine. Long story short, let them go. And like, I knew things weren't going, like not being done properly, but I didn't realize to what level. And so took a while to clean up, but we cleaned it up. But if it had gone on longer, we would not be here where we are today. So it goes back to what you shared before, the same advice we've all always been given, hire slow and fire fast. So definitely good advice to share. Coming up, get ready to hear what's next for Optimal Bio and Tyler shares her biggest business secret. you know, whatever it may be, but patient focused, just the process wasn't there and they didn't want it to be there. So then we would have to talk to the patients and the patients were like, well, that's not what so-and-so said, but that was like a good sixth, seventh month process. And then we hired our own staff um, and now it's a great office. I love being there. That team is wonderful, but it was just hard on multiple like internal and then external and then together but and then you still have your other locations going right and your other team and it's just a very interesting dynamic what made you decide to acquire that practice versus building your own at that time so honestly it's a unicorn situation like that doctor in that office was moving um at the end of the year so we knew that it was like going to be the easiest on paper acquisition. And so we said, why not? It's a patient base. We probably we would have never gone to Charlottesville, Virginia um, if we hadn't acquired, not because of anything. We just probably wouldn't have thought to do that, right? Um, so our mindset was like, okay, we have a patient base that we can acquire. 
And then we kind of knew that we were going to be able to transition our own team in as well. What would you do differently going forward, knowing what you know now after that experience? I would have let the um, team go within a month because I had some conversations with the provider that I knew nothing was going to get better, right? But we were like, oh, well, they're done in X month. They're done in X month. But really just kind of starting it clean. And then I think that could have been a lot more helpful because then we, it wasn't like three different conversations. They are a conversation with patients, our conversation with patients, and then our conversations with that team. When you were structuring that deal, did you work with an M&A advisor or other consultants who helped you through that process since it was your first time? Yep. One of my partners has done M&A in the past and then our attorney. Any other learnings you can share from that part of the experience? That part, honestly, on this one was like pretty simple. Just making sure you read, like, it's a contract, right? You got to read everything. People make fun of me sometimes here because they're like, you're an attorney, you read every word. I'm like, I do read every word. So I think with that, just making sure you read every single word and there you have to clarify because if it's something that may be gray, someone may take it differently. And especially in M&A, you want it to either one, be what you want, or at least you know what's happening and not going to be confusing or a problem on the backside. But also too, if it's not a good fit, don't do it. But also like there's benefits too. Like that office is doing very well now and you learn so much on it, but you don't. Also, I think until you sign it, you don't have to do it. And if you do sign it and you realize you don't want to do it, you can get out of it too. I feel like sometimes people feel stuck, but making sure it's what you want to do and it's best for your company, right? And your team. No, absolutely. So what is next for Optimobile? What's on the horizon for 2024? Yeah, so we are opening in Austin, Texas, February, March of this year, depending on you know when the furniture shows up to the office. We're in the process right now of interviewing and hiring for the team. So that'll be next. And then really just focusing on growing our current locations, growing our team, growing, currently redoing our entire business development team. So in the process of hiring and interviewing and seeing what do we want it to look like? Because I think so many times what got you to one point is not going to get you to the next point and actually may stop you from getting to that point. So real, I'm really going through that right now. Like, What do we need to go from who we are now? Obviously keep to who we are, but what do we need to support the team that we have now, the company that we have now? And then maybe um, open Florida at the end, like Q3, Q4 of this year. Well, let me know if you come down to Florida. So I moved to Florida a few years ago. I'm in Palm Beach Gardens and I feel like a location would do really well down here. Yes, we actually have some patients that live there and um, they would love for us to be there. So we'll have to chat. That's, I would be more than happy to have to come to Palm Beach uh, for work. Yes, I'll tell you some locations and centers where I think you would do really well. Right down the street from me, actually. I love it. <laughs> so I love we'll... it. That, that is great to hear. Yes. We will we will follow up on that for sure, Tyler. Okay, I have to ask you, of all of your experiences over the past five plus years since running this business, what is your biggest business secret that every entrepreneur should know? I think you have to stay calm 
when the world is on fire. Like every day you might have a small fire, you might have a massive fire, but your job as a leader is to create that calm. And so being able to one, do that for your team, but two, you still have to make clear decisions when the weight of the world may be on you. I mean, there's days, right? You feel like you're drowning, but you still have to be able to show up for your team, show up for your company. And I think too, the biggest thing is not not making decisions out of fear, but I think just knowing you're going to have really hard days, but your job for one, for your team and for your company is to set that tone of calm, but two, you know, that's going to come. So how can you compartmentalize to make decisions when there's a lot going on? That is such great advice. I could not agree more. Tyler, last question for you. What does being an entrepreneurista mean to you? I think kind of building off of that is being able to manage what we do every day, making those decisions and having grace for yourself. I think we're so used to what we do. We think it's the norm, but being like, stepping back and having grace for yourself and just showing up each day. I love that. So agree. Tyler, where can everyone find you, follow you for those that are interested now that they've learned all about what Optimal Bio is, where can they head over to? And we will be linking out to everything in the show notes below too. Perfect. Yeah. So our website, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, it's all Optimal Bio. And then my uh, name is Tyler Brandon. So That's my Instagram and LinkedIn as well. Tyler, thank you so much for being here. I'm Stephanie, and this is the best business meeting I've ever had. Hey, thanks for listening and leaving us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. And we'd love to stay in touch with each of you. You can listen to all of our latest episodes at entrepreneurista.com and connect with us on Instagram at entrepreneurista's. We'd also love to invite you to join the Entreprenista League, our private membership community for trailblazing women. You can head over to entreprenista.com forward slash the league. We'll see you there. Wishing you a productive week ahead. Mm-hmm.